0: This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Spencer Hall is here. One of the funniest people, most insightful people. Uh, We're here to talk about draft quarterbacks, what draft quarterbacks play like now as opposed to 5-10 years ago, why that is, some of the offenses coming through. We ranked the best quarterbacks uh, in this draft. I really, 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 really enjoyed this. I I always had Spencer on Formula One show. I've had him on football shows before um, when I used to do a bunch of different sports at at the ringer. Uh, He's one of the best. You're going to enjoy this too. Ladies and gentlemen, Spencer Hall. All right, Spencer Hall is here, Channel 6 newsletter, which I just read. We're going to talk about that in a second. He has, and I don't know if he was trying to hide it or not, he has NCAA football. Is that 14 over your shoulder? Yeah, yeah, that's 14. So I have a theory. Mm -hmm. In the time since the last NCAA football game came out. Yes. I have improved my life in so many different ways. I've gotten mm-hmm. married to someone I love quite a bit. Uh, I have a child. I mm-hmm. make significantly more money than I used to um, mm-hmm. a decade ago. Thank God for that. Um, I've lost 60 to 65 pounds, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, when this game comes back, it's all gone.
1: Okay, I can, I'm further along on my walk with Jesus than you are. <laughs> by, that by that, I mean older. So I'm gonna cue, I'm gonna cue you in. Your panic over your obligations and the existential crisis of trying to do everything you need to do in the limited span of time you are afforded um, is realer now to you than it will be at any point in your life. You have a young mm. child, right? Mm-hmm. When yeah, you're... you're still like, oh my god, wolves, fire, uh, yeah. the barbarians. I'm yeah, you're in panic mode. So mm-hmm. what you're going to do? is you're going to naturally limit what you have to do, right? You're going to, you're going to limit your, um, do you bleep things on this show? Uh, we, we bleep. Yes. yes. Sir. Yeah. You, you're going to limit your f-ing around. Okay. You might f- around a little bit. That's fine. Okay. Um, but I have a tip for you and mm. it's this, do you see this? I and do. It's a little polyhedral timer. Yep. Okay. And you pick a number, the d- amount of time you want to spend mm-hmm. and you click it. And it will go ahead and sound the alarm when it is time. If you are playing this game and you want to spend 30 minutes, put that timer down. And if you're in the third quarter, if you're in the fourth quarter, just turn it off, turn it off. That's it. I'm telling you, you are going to be nostalgic for your ability to waste time because you won't actually at this age. And with everything that you have on your plate, you won't be able to just while away, uh, 90 minutes to three hours building your dynasty and recruiting you won't i'm telling you you simply will not in fact you'll you'll kind of mourn that a little bit is my guess i don't know like, i forget things after
0: 12 hours now mm-hmm. and i can tell oh, you yeah. specific plays mm-hmm. from 2011 jordan futch who never played at miami ever mm-hmm. had a pick six for me over the middle of the field against wisconsin in the national championship game and every yep. time anybody brings up jordan futch he's from uh, chaminade high school in, in south florida uh good prospect didn't dim pan out i wistfully think remember that fake natty he won me and there's oh. no other relationship i'll ever have like that with, with with the game
1: listen i did things with 2007 west virginia that <laughs> lost to the mist, they're lost to the mist of time. But like, I would play games just to get 100 yards rushing with everyone in the backfield. Oh, that's yeah. it. You go. Oh, we're going to get 100 yards rushing. Which is, by the way, in a game where passing is really easy, perverse. If you want to get into the, the kinky stuff, run the ball.
0: The theory about Mario Cristobal not taking a knee is that he wanted to get uh, Don Chaney to 100 yards, and then he denied that. But it seems seems like it would have lined up because he was like, that would 98 listen yards.
1: I'd, I'd respect a gamer if that were the case <laughs> that's it if mario cristobal would have been like hey you know when you're playing ncaa and you yeah. want to get to a guy to 100 yards? tokens like half the people in the room would have been like baller respect great <laughs> right, job so
0: you you uh you at channel six you and holly just wrote a piece about mm-hmm. the bastard sons of patrick mahomes and right. i read it i thought it was great thank you essentially what what the argument you're making is like this is the generation of quarterbacks who break all the rules, um, mm-hmm. who can play out of style, and like it's so funny because I think a lot of times there's there's such a copycat element of, of football that in the NFL it's like oh after you know 2019 it's like everybody's got to get a Debo Samuel type and it's like well right. good luck because. Uh, there's one Debo Samuel. There's one of them, and if you draft a bunch of huge guys who break tackles, um, they're not going to be fast enough. They're going to catch the ball, and all of a sudden you're going to overdraft guys. Like the best example of this is after the Legion of Boom Seahawks. The lesson, instead of mm-hmm. like incredible defensive schemes or having Earl Thomas, having Cam Chancellor, having Earl
1: Thomas, yeah,
0: yeah, the lesson that uh, other teams took was six-three cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. And so every like all these guys, I think it was Stanley Jean Baptiste was his name. He's going in the second round from Nebraska because he's six foot three. And like mm-hmm. we're gonna get, we're gonna get our Brandon Browner, Richard Sherman. It's like no, no, actually, you learn the wrong lesson. And right. so a lot of times when you're trying to get the next blank, you learn the wrong lessons. But this to me feels different because it's a type of player um that that is able to play outside the rules know the rules in order to break them as the old line um i'll give it to you uh what what do you think about this generation
1: this crop of quarterbacks coming into the draft uh in two months so i think a lot of changes have happened structurally to not just make these quarterbacks want to play by like say a patrick mahomes where you know the rules and break them or maybe don't know the rules and break them anyway Mm -hmm. I think this is how quarterbacks have to play now, Mm -hmm. and I think that's – and I talk about that a little bit in the piece, which, of course, um, you could go to Channel 6. Just Google it, Channel 6, Spencer Hall. Oh, look, there it is Um, for just $10 a month. You can get all of these and so much more. Um, If you read it, I believe the decline in offensive line play, which is a result of uh, a couple of things, offensive design is different um, and defensive firepower is different. Mm. The change of like, if you are a young you are used to absolute feral beasts playing defensive end, mm-hmm. this is still relatively new defensive ends used to mm, kind of rush, uh, but also just hold positions. So linebackers could do stuff, right? Yep. That was, that was the defensive line for the most part, right? Um, we used to have these guys, uh, with with like Ted Washington who roamed the middle of you know, Ted Washington I, yep. I love you Ted Washington you were a big ass dude and that's basically your job your Tony Siragusa's they are extinct now okay because everyone along the defensive line is by uh, a standard deviation of you know at least one or two so much more athletic and capable of mm-hmm. doing so much more and when you get those guys defensive coordinators go ooh cool you yeah. know what I can do with you anything I can put you in pass coverage. I can drop you if I want. I can run a stunt where you'll actually get pressure on the outside. Mm. Um, Does Brian Kelly know
0: you can do that with Harold Perkins?
1: Brian Kelly does not know you can do that with Harold Perkins. Poor Brian Kelly. He can't get that right. He can't because the real move is probably to put Harold Perkins at his weight. which I think Harold's like 225, maybe 230 after lunch. Um, The real move is to put him at inside linebacker. And the real move is to teach him how to do that. Um, because, But he can't win because of what everyone saw in year one. It sucks. Yep. It, it, it does. Yeah. Anyway, didn't, it didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. Yeah. So what quarterbacks have to do now is they're going to have to do that. The The mm-hmm. plays that we used to say were exceptions to the rule are now the rule. Right? The kind of offenses that we run. Okay? I know a lot of people will want to say, well, it's because spread offenses changed. No, no. Spread offenses evolved out of necessity. Yes. Because they were targeting weaknesses in defenses. Now defenses have very few weaknesses. Like they, they do so many different things. And the players who are, uh, from top to bottom, I I think the position that suffered on defense most is linebacker. Like your traditional linebacker to me is, does not resemble what we grew up with as linebackers. Like, you know, they are targeted. They, um, have, haven't been hunted, Uh, to the point of extinction, they've just had to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Your average linebacker is either now a very large defensive end or or, or a very small defensive end, or they are a very large safety, right? That's kind of like if Mm -hmm. you had to sort of cast either one of them. Nobody, I think, plays that sort of true... The the, the true middle linebacker, I don't know when that exactly died out. Probably the minute the air raid was invented. Mm -hmm. That's probably the minute the the middle linebacker, as we know it, just disappeared. Um, So... I just Long like way. the
0: visualization of the air raid coming in, and then all of a sudden that like the middle linebacker is like an old timey <laughs> guy waiting outside the gates of the factory looking for work. Like right. literally that moment, he
1: was like, uh oh, right.
0: time to and do that, something
1: else. And that dynamic, by the way, like that still exists. The same kind of tactics that can sometimes take players out of schemes entirely. What was one of the biggest plays running the Super Bowl? Mesh. Yep. Mesh, like like mesh is like the oldest play in the playbook at this point, right? It's practically yep. triple option old right? It's a halfback ISO of the modern age and the chiefs rode it to a super bowl championship, right? It still works. Um, So this is my roundabout way of saying, I think all of these factors combined with uh, the decline in offensive line play, because you just don't get the same roster development. You don't get guys on the same team as consistently. And they're asked to do less because this is all because I'm going to take it back to like your roots, college football doesn't prepare you to play professional Correct. football it is like law school right people say law school doesn't prepare you uh to practice law being an, an undergraduate degree in english well what are you going to do with that well i got it it got me to the league what does an undergraduate degree in football get you it doesn't prepare you to play in the nfl it doesn't necessarily have to that's not a college coach's job right. that was yeah that, that, that's my biggest
0: thing is people say so i've argued in the past. Okay, so the Baylor system a decade ago wasn't right. teaching quarterbacks to identify the Mike linebacker. And I remember asking Bryce Petty about this. And at this point, I'm like, I'm an NFL reporter. I'm thinking like all of these coaches are complaining and saying these quarterbacks aren't ready. And Bryce Petty, to his credit, was like, why is this Baylor's job? The Baylor right. is supposed to win college football games. And I've, I, over the past decade, I've come around more to the Bryce Petty line of thinking, which is it, 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 I don't think it's not their job. Again, it's not it's not analogous to, to anything with with graduate school. It's not. Um, I mean, Mario Cristobal is a bad example, but like it's not not Mike Norvell's job to get Jordan Travis ready to play in the NFL. It's Mike Norvell's job to win the ACC and then lose by sixty points in the Orange Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there's a. Um, I think that there's sometimes like, do you remember when urban Meyer hired Scott Loeffler? Of course you do to be the Tim Tebow NFL prepper. Yes. And then like a week into it, who was like, yeah, we're just not going to do that. We're just, we're just going to pretend that never happened. We're not preparing Tim Tebow for the NFL that that's urban Meyer was
1: right. Yeah. That's not their job. That's not what they get paid to do. I have a box score from a Texas high school football game from last year. Uh, up at the moment because it was flying by on Twitter, and it was between Liberty Hill and Hutto. If you're not familiar with <laughs> Hutto, Hutto they are the hippos. Hippos um, and Go the hips. score. The score in this game is 82-80. It is a disgusting score according to some, and to me, absolutely marvelous Beautiful. because, baby, that's Texas high school football. None of these tactics that they are using, which by the way, Liberty Hill runs a, a slot T offense uh, sort of akin to the wing t yeah. um they run the slot t nobody complains about the slot t at the college level because yeah. they know the high school guys are doing what they're supposed to do it's only when you involve the potential of earning millions and millions and millions of dollars playing uh or coaching and i think coaching is probably the more relevant point to make here that we start to worry about well is this preparing you for the pros who cares uh, liberty hill ran the ball 53 times for 782 yards with a grand total of one pass attempt a couple of those guys will probably <laughs> still get scouted to somewhere in college because they'll make it work now the circumstances that we face both at the college and the nfl level feed into each other because quarterbacks now have to make these kind of outray outlandish improvisational plays have to be willing to take these kind of chances because pressure is greater than it's ever been before the amount of protection they receive is going to be 3 seconds at most if you're lucky in a college mm-hmm. offense not much less a pro offense where that number is going to decline even more and because it works you wouldn't be seeing these guys Being drafted this high, and you wouldn't see their teams win this many games if playing that kind of high-risk, high-reward ball didn't work. It is a testament to the volatility of this year's quarterback class and the current state of offensive football and the prowess of defensive football that the guy who is the safest pick, the words are actually coming out of my mouth here, Kevin Clark, Bo Nix. Bo Nix is one of the most conservative picks you can make in this class numerically just based on the stats when you look at because w- we used to do this we'd go okay well what's a great indicator of a quarterback's yeah. accuracy and his his ability to manage risk you would go completion percentage and turnovers go look at bonex bonex this year clean sheet clean sheet if you were if i took the name off of it and we take took anybody in the last 30 years you would say i don't know man this guy will this guy can tote the mail he may not he may not push it downfield i see that a dot the average depth targets pretty low, but if I was the kind of guy who wore a belt and suspenders, if I ran a ball control offense, and I wanted a guy who was, sorry Cam, a true game manager, I would, I would probably take Bo Nix. If I just wanted to make a safe pick in, say the third or fourth round, I'm going to interrogate this. One thing I'm not going to do mm-hmm. is tell you about the butterfly
0: effect between Patrick Nix, Nicks, Bo Nix's father running mm-hmm. the worst offense I've ever seen for the 2008 Miami Hurricanes. Despicable. A straight line, a straight line, by mm-hmm. the way, to Bo Nix going to Oregon. When you consider Correct. the collapse that that started the Miami football program, mm-hmm. Mario Cristobal having to leave Oregon to save it, uh, right. and he will, he will save it, and then Bo Nix going to Oregon. I'm not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to go through that, that whole butterfly effect. It exists. But I want to interrogate this Bo Nix thing. You would draft him where?
1: Oh, as low as possible. Because I don't think <laughs> because I don't think, considering how much of him I have watched and where I think his overall athleticism is, I think he's hit a ceiling. I think he is a great college football quarterback mm-hmm. at this point. I do not think he is a professional quarterback who is going to sort of make a difference. He might be a guy who's a spot starter. He might be somebody who can win a game or two uh while well, your starter is out and injured but i do not think he is the guy you would want to build around long term based on what i've seen and if he did you'd want him to sit on the bench so long that he'd basically be an entirely different player by the time he got right. off the bench right um a luxury that very few teams can afford at mm-hmm. this point point. and if you look at teams that have been forced to do that they don't have winning records they don't do well but that said He is the kind of guy who I saw go from hapless, like a guy who was as random a player as you could possibly imagine with some talent and a whole lot of luck in every single direction, his freshman and sophomore years to somebody who once he got in an offense that, you know, decided to help him out and an Mm -hmm. offense where he was where I think he whatever teaching approach was happening at Auburn did not take as well as what they did at Oregon. Let me put it that way. Okay. Just to be as charitable as possible to everyone involved. He became an accurate passer and they mm. found out what he could do well and what he did. Uh, and they knew what he did poorly and they did not do much of that. I, I didn't anticipate
0: a Bo Nicks section of this podcast. I'm glad it's right happening. Um, are there other, as a college football fan, just is someone who enjoys it. And I've talked about Danny Staples with this, but mm-hmm. like Roger Sherman, every single year is usually pretty correct when he just goes, yeah, I don't know, man, I watched a lot of big 10 football and this guy seemed good. And then that guy's good. Like in week seven and everybody's like, where'd this guy come from? Well, yeah. if you watched ESPN at noon at any point for the past four years, you'd probably see a pretty good safety. Um, are there guys like that for you that are kind of your college football crushes that you think will do well in the NFL?
1: Yeah, um, I like Jared Verse from Florida State. Mm. Not that he's super under the radar. No, but, but um, in terms of the what you're calling the Roger Sherman test, where you just go, I don't know, that guy blew up a lot of stuff, right? I don't know, uh, this guy
0: seems like a nightmare to play against.
1: Yeah, um, this was, uh, oh gosh, who was the Tennessee defensive end who ended up playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and had a key f- fumble Derek, recovery. Derek Barnett, Derek Barnett. Okay. Derek Barnett's a great example. Derek Barnett to me is a guy who, when he went to the combine and when you looked at his measurables, you're like, I don't know. he's just kind of slow, but man, like what an amazing turtle. He just ended up wherever the ball was a guy who ends <clears throat> up wherever the ball was is the kind of guy we're talking about who you go. Hmm.
0: That, that just happened in Derek Barnett again. I don't know if you've been following this, but he hmm. was released by the Eagles midseason for seemingly no reason. Mm-hmm. And then he, cause he, he lost his job and then he went to the Texans and had way more pressures from then yep. on than anybody on the Eagles. So this just keeps happening where we have to keep right. going. I don't know this Derek Barnett guy seems pretty
1: good. Derek Barnett, who knew, who who knew besides anyone who's ever played with him. Um, I like, he's also on a lot of lists, but Marshawn Nealan from Western Michigan, if you're a fan yeah. of Maction, um, man, he just consistently blew stuff up. All the time, man. Like he just, he has a knack for that kind of thing. So I really liked him. I love in terms of nose for the ball and a guy who makes strangely timely plays and who more importantly, I think everyone loves working with him. uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Mm -hmm. man, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. I know Terry and Arnold is going to get his flowers. I know that Dallas Turner is going to take a high draft pick Kool-Aid McKinstry in terms of secondary help. I've been watching a lot of defenders and Kool-Aid McKinstry is just there. He's kind of always around the ball and really sort of, I think, understands flow. And and to me, that used to be like, you can draft somebody for their physical attributes. That's fine. Obviously, we've seen Josh Allen. That can work. Okay. But I like guys who understand football as a game of flow because football is now moving from, I think, slowly from a a stationary sets where we get set, yep, something explodes, and then we reset. Um, I think it's moving from that to a game where I think more than ever, we need to understand how plays flow into each other because the game moves faster yep. and because there is like less static war along the lines of scrimmage, they move a lot faster. So I think if you got guys who can understand flow and movement, I think like kool to me would have been a great soccer player because mm. I think he just gets the idea of where the play is going.
0: Yeah. And like, and that's the whole thing. And, and I remember somebody asking me a couple of years ago, by the way, you mentioned Jared verse, like, am I a homer in the NFL? Like, am I going to be like, oh, Miami guys, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm just the opposite. When Jalen Ramsey is completely dominating us, Miami, I have so much respect for him. That I'm just like I'm actually in the bag for those guys because I'm just like Lord help us I just want this guy to go away Jameer Gibbs uh, at Georgia Tech a great example where I'm just like I don't know man this guy looks pretty good or like Kenneth Walker Mm -hmm. at Michigan State again against Miami you're just like I the reason we're losing this game is because that team has that guy so I think the NFL team should take that guy and it's like it's not hard yeah um what was it oh I know what it was it was I was reading this book about scouting in the '60s in the NFL scouting. And they were saying that the uh the team that revolutionized football, I honestly forget what it was. The team that revolutionized football and like hit on everything. I think it was the Steelers actually in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. That the way they they drafted like a, a billion hall of famers in a 5-year period. And what they started to do was they would just send a survey to college coaches being like, "Hey, who's the best player you played against?" Yeah. And then they would fill it <laughs> yeah. out and then they just took them. And it's like, oh, okay, that seems right. Like, what was the, what was the one I, like, I remember uh, Bill Simmons used to ask me one time, he said, he's, it, when, we're, when we're hiring stuff, he would go, Hey, who's the one writer where like you log on and you're like, <laughs> like this guy wrote again, this gal wrote again. Like, I wish that yeah. wasn't happening. Like, that's the best test you can do. Like why I don't want to compete against this person. And, and then, right. and then you bring in that person. That's what you do.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Unless, I mean, fun. if you're a quitter, sure. But, you know, me, I want to write against that. You want,
0: to, you want to destroy them.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, if I see Brian Phillips has written something, I'm like, I'm like, okay, come on, player. And then he bodies me. And anyway. then you, but it's fine. It's fine. I, and I then you fly
0: it. to the World Cup.
1: You just right. decide to fly to the World Cup and say, then I just I'm going to fly to the World Croatia. Cup and I'm
0: going to do, do that. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Um, um, but I'm built yeah, different. So you, are, uh, you, you are. You are. You are built different. You have a little timer clock. I don't have anything. More with Spencer Hall after this. Why should you bet with Caesars Sportsbook? Two words, Caesars Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537 or Maryland visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP Colorado DC Nevada Wyoming Kansas affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino call 1-800-522-4700 Indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT Iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF Louisiana Call 1 877 770 STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bozier City, and Harris, New Orleans, Massachusetts. If you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1 800 327 5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24 7 support. Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. New York, call 1 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY. If you were to, and you mentioned the flow thing, but like, if you if you were doing a masterclass in front of scouts, where you're at the combine, every scout's looking at you, and you could change one thing about how they approach the sport, just as someone who watches a different level. And I watch both of them, and I love it. I, I focus more on the NFL from a content perspective, but I love the sport of college football. Like when you're talking, if you're talking to scouts and say, "Guys, understand this about the college game," like where where would you start, Spencer?
1: I think I would start at. I think I would start at you need to understand how unfinished everyone is, which I think those yes. scouts understand. Right. I, I do think they get that. Um, and I think they also need to understand um, not that they don't already, because I've come to really respect NFL scouts a lot because I think they have a very difficult job and i think that maybe when i came in i think i unfairly focused on maybe the lunatic fringe of nfl scouts who asked things like you know what would you rather rob a convenience store or a bank you know like nobody seems to like we bank. don't hear bank, bank. Yeah. see I, I say convenience store because cheap thrills i can't turn it down <laughs> um you know, also you're not gonna well, do, you
0: get it much. To do when you do, do where you get to do the thing where you also like at the end just grab like big league
1: chew just for the principal.
0: Yeah. You know, you're just like, I'm taking this too. I'm taking I it, could do raising
1: Arizona, right? Really, yeah. I'm taking these Huggies and whatever spare cash you got. <laughs> um but I and I, I respect them a lot because I think they have a difficult job. And I think the combine makes sense because I need my own data. I do. I need my own data, I need to make my own observations and I need to have everything measured because there's a lot of money going into this stuff, and I don't know if all the combine is entirely useful. It, I'm, I am I, hate that I'm saying this, by the way. We don't need to be doing incline bench. We just don't. It's <laughs> cool. Like, on it, We just do the incline bench because it's swole, because it's jacked. Yep. Yep. This is awesome. That's it. You just. Why are we doing this? Well, we need to see how strong you are. It should be pretty apparent, but you know what? Don't ever stop doing it, right? Throw in a couple of more lifts, right? Just be like, how many, how many pull-ups can you do? Turn it into the presidential fitness test. I don't care if you <laughs> get cool numbers out of it, but it's not like you didn't know they were strong already. Right. Yep. Um, But I think if I could, if I could give them one more thing where I go, you know, you should trust this maybe a little bit more. Know they're unfinished. And also I would seriously trust the, like, I would really trust the opinion of college coaches who faced these guys a lot more. Yep. Not that they don't trust it somewhat, but Generally speaking, if you see a college coach who's successful go into the pros, yep. they're pretty selective about who they take, but they do take these guys. Pete Carroll was my favorite example of this. Pete was just, Pete would get um, Pete would get a guy and you'd go, Oh, he knew. He yeah. he watched that guy and was like, don't want to face that guy again. And didn't take Taylor Mays famously. That
0: was remember yeah. that was the big thing.
1: Uh-huh. A guy who really was, should have been like a combine warrior based yeah. on how he looked. You know, he was. He was the model, but Pete knew he didn't pass the Derek Barnett test. He didn't pass the like, is he always around the ball? Does he understand the play? Does he know where things are going? Taylor Mays came up short on that end. But also, listen, jacked as hell. No, one can, as ever, hell. no one can ever inclined, take that away Incline
0: bench. T- that's, why, oh, that's why you do the bench.
1: In- inclined, yeah, look, that's for the Taylor Mays of the world, and I don't want to take that away from them.
0: Um, by the way, I think that the team that did the survey of the opposing coaches was the Rams in the 50s. I don't want to I don't want to give stolen valor to the Steelers. Maybe the Steelers are doing something else. I think the Steelers were the first ones to scout HBCUs. Um, and that, that's their
1: very location, successful. Which again, very successful. Also, good idea. Good yeah.
0: idea in the 60s and 70s. Um, Saban leaving.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like Saban was where you went. I, I study recruiting in the South quite a bit. There were these guys, it's funny because, you know, Notre Dame has always has the number one ranked class, like two years out because they identify Mm -hmm. Notre Dame guys and then everybody else passes them. But there's a certain type of academic minded player who really wants to go to Notre Dame or they're just from Archbishop Moller and they just commit when they're like sophomores. It's like that. Alabama was the magnet for guys who were just like, this is a business. I'm going to spend three years there. I'm going to hit the weight room, learn Mm -hmm. technique and go to the NFL. That was that. I feel like Kirby coming in has changed that a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. But Saban leaving does what to the pipeline
1: from preps to pros? It will change the pipeline and diversify it somewhat. It'll shunt a bit of that over to Georgia, as if that wasn't already pretty skewed I think also you'll get a different kind of player at Alabama because you just have different people recruiting them so I don't Mm -hmm. think you're necessarily going to get the same kind of eval um I imagine that Kalen DeBoer is probably going to keep and or probably has kept I you know I I don't have the staff list in front of me but I imagine a lot of that recruiting apparatus and the eval Mm -hmm. probably going to stay in place like I don't think you know and not that that's a big surprise it wasn't like Alabama was pulling they they did some of this but it wasn't like they were pulling a whole lot of two-star guys who turned out to be five stars it wasn't right. like they were doing a whole lot of development from the like you know, two star up to the five star line. No, they weren't doing a lot of that because they were recruiting a lot of people that were already well recruited. Um, there's also the effect of if Bama does find one of those guys, suddenly they their stocks all rise. You know, yep. Ooh, Alabama's interested in that guy. We we better line up at the trough too. Yeah. Um, so I think it does change the pipeline somewhat, but not as much as you might think because one. I think Kalen DeBoer going to get on the stick pretty quick. I don't think he's like, I think he's not just competent, but pretty good at this. And if he's not really great at SEC recruiting yet, I think he's going to get good because he definitely has the resources to, uh, which is an important part of it. And he's got the incentive to as well, because now the knife is at the back of his neck. You know, he's got the sword of Damocles. That's what you do as Alabama's coaches. You sleep under the sword of Damocles every night and hope it doesn't fall. And that's him now. Um, it won't change as much as people think because Alabama is always a poll. Alabama is always go back and look. I I think Mm -hmm. people have forgotten this because yeah, there is a troubled period in the 2000s where, um, they have some off seasons. They do not have a string of bad seasons. Like some programs go Gators. Um, that's not something they do for long. You might have a four win season. But they're going to rise back up because the overall institutional commitment to football is too strong for them to tolerate falling that long.
0: Also, uh, now that the NCAA is dead, you can hire the dirtiest assistant coach. Do
1: whatever on the you want with all no fear
0: of repercussion. Um, yep. I, very quickly, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I believe the University of Florida, all in, is the best college coaching job in America. You're the flagship university of the most talent-rich place um, in in football. Um, you don't have a lot of competition for a lot of these guys, especially once you get north of, of West Palm or of Palm Beach County. Having said that, the one group of people that does not think this is a particularly good job happens to be the people
1: running the University of Florida. That's correct. Yeah. And um, as to why, uh, you would have to ask them because <laughs> – because right now, Florida is a case of mismanagement. Um, it's a case of mismanagement from an athletic director who probably should have been fired already. Uh, yeah. Let's take the probably off that. Should have been fired already. For things having nothing to do with football whatsoever. Um, and hopefully will be fired. If Scott Strickland is listening, out. Leave. But Put, put your keys on the desk. He might Go. be. I mean, we're a minute
0: 31. So I don't. it's possible he, he tuned out earlier. But we yeah. could move this to the front if that's a problem.
1: Yeah, that'd be fine. But, but that's an issue because they've made poor hiring choices. It's also yeah. an issue because um, like a lot of things in the state of Florida, their NIL program was initially disorganized and their booster programs can sometimes be disorganized. I think you've seen that a great talent in coaching is taking all of your supporters and the people who write checks and getting them in line. That's one thing that Mario Cristobal has been good at at Miami. It's one thing that Nick Saban was a master at at a place that has eaten coaches before with internecine warfare amongst boosters, Alabama. So he's done that at two different places. I think that's probably as remarkable an accomplishment for Nick Saban as anything else on his resume. He managed to get the boosters at LSU and Alabama on the same page, something that very few people have ever done at either institution alone, let alone in combination.
0: I'll say this, there are people who are like, well, after John Ruiz kind of ran out of money there a little bit, that Miami is gonna go back down to earth. If, if and it is, if NIL is a contest of who has the most shady billionaires, good luck, buddy. That's what I'll say. That's what mm. the city of Miami will say to the rest of America. If it's a shady billionaire contest, buckle up your chin straps.
1: I'm afraid the University of Florida only possesses things like, I don't know, real estate billionaires and people who are uh, citrus, large.
0: Citrus. Citrus billionaires.
1: Large, stable entities, I'm afraid, is the deal at mm. the University of Florida. So it's mm. very old school in that sense. Um, might still write checks, like actual checks, as opposed to can I pay you in crypto? That would be the biggest deal Yeah, you
0: need between. some bored ape no billionaires is what you need.
1: Yes. Middle aged men in the Kanye slit sunglasses. When I saw that our mayor,
0: when I saw that our mayor, our mayor, uh, Miami's mayor, wanted to to to, to like all currency be in like a boutique altcoin, I knew mm-hmm. I knew we were gonna you win a national You're championship. Like- um all right, last thing. Uh best quarterbacks in this class, rank them.
1: The best quarterback is Caleb Williams. I feel pretty Mm -hmm. strongly about that. I think he is just a preternaturally talented athlete who didn't have a whole lot of help last year. I think his junior or his second year tape is third, third year tape is probably what you want to look at. Not Mm -hmm. last year's because I think Lincoln Riley did him no favors. So I would say uh, Williams um, may Mm -hmm. though. He's a gamble. I think that's a huge gamble with may. um, I think. Daniels provided Mm. he slides provided he slides and he really sort of works on his intermediate passing game. I don't don't Mm. think we harp enough on the intermediate passing game with him. It's just not as good as his deep ball. Um, Also a lot of help in terms of completing that deep ball because he had a great supporting cast, but still a phenomenally talented guy uh, who just needs to avoid the hits that will drive him out of the league. Um, And then after that, I would have uh, Penix then Nick's. And then I think it's Michael Pratt from Tulane. Mm. I think it's Michael Pratt. I might have the first name wrong there. But but um, a guy who, it is you Michael know. Pratt, yeah. yeah, no. I mean, like, I think a good. If you want a future journeyman, if you want your your Band-Aid, that, that's a guy you might want to take a flyer on. That's a guy
0: who's starting for the Arizona Cardinals in week 16.
1: Correct. Kyler Which, by the yeah. way, wait, let's not denigrate that. The world needs that. The <laughs> world needs to chase Daniels right of the The cardinals need week week 16 starters guys if you're the cardinals do you go in confidently saying he's going to be our starter every game no you do not you're a cardinals fan you know right it's like the cardinals are the car that you pull out of the driveway and go glad i have a triple a triple a membership because we're gonna be using it brother
0: spencer Allen, thank you buddy
1: thanks man